0: Uh, today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Mark, chapter 10, 46 to 52. Could we all stand for the reading of God's word? And they came to Jericho.
1: Lord, as we continue to worship you, we ask that you would silence our hearts, that we would be attentive to your word. Lord, would you open up our hearts and our ears, that we would be able to listen and receive your holy word at this time. In your name we pray, amen. So the passage today begins with Jesus and his disciples. And they're being followed by a large crowd, and they're in the vicinity of the city of Jericho. Um, And this was the final couple of moments in Jesus' ministry that is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. And this is the final healing uh, miracle that happens um, before Jesus enters into Jerusalem to make his journey to the cross. And we're able to see the significance of this part of Jesus' ministry— And how all of the three synoptic gospel writers, they have decided to include the story of a blind man or um, a group of blind men being healed on the outskirts of Jericho. Right before Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And this is found in Matthew chapter 20, uh, Luke 18. And for our passage today, Mark chapter 10. In the verse 46, we see this individual, Bartimaeus. It says that he is a blind beggar who is sitting by the roadside on the outskirts of the city. I've never been a beggar, uh, but if I was a beggar, I would probably want to be somewhere where a lot of people are. Where people are congregating, maybe like the gates of a city where people are always coming in and out. I would want as much foot traffic as possible so I can make the most money. So why was Bartimaeus on the outside of the city, away from the rest of society? Bartimaeus was a blind man. And in this culture, in this context, at the time, it was the belief that if you are born blind or if you have received blindness through an accident uh, during the course of your life, it was a divine judgment that God was placing on your life for your sins or for your parents' sins, and you were a sinner who was deemed unclean. In fact, being on the outskirts of the city meant that you had absolutely no place within the confines of their society. You were literally the lowest of the lows. And it wasn't like he was able to get up and walk around freely by himself either. Being on the outskirts of the city meant that his family members, his own family members had to physically pick him up and bring him there. And it means that even his own family had rejected him. So here is this individual. He's blind. He is a beggar, so he is poor. He is rejected um, even from his own society, his own family. He is a sinner who was unable to do anything for himself. I think I've shared bits and pieces of my story with many of you. Uh, but for those of you who may not know uh, where I'm coming from, I'll give you guys a quick Spark Notes version of my life. I was born 1993 in, South Korea, in Seoul, Korea. Uh, I lived there until I was about seven years old. My family, uh, the reason we immigrated to this country, um, it happened after the, the Asian financial crisis hit in 1997. My dad owned a couple of clothing stores. He owned a clothing company that ended up going under due to the financial hardships, which led to a lot of arguing between my parents uh, to a point where they decided to split. Um, And my mom moves to the United States by herself. And over the course of the next year, my parents are talking to one another, trying to resolve the the issues, and they decide that it is better uh, for the family that we start fresh. Um, here in this new country uh, of the United States back in 2001. So I moved here in 2001. And being an immigrant family, there is not many places in this country to go meet fellow Koreans, especially if you just came here from Korea, you don't know how to speak English. Um, So that community was found for us in the church. We joined a church, um, our first church back then, and that was our... um, our social circle back then. And in fact, I don't have friends from my elementary and middle schools that I keep in contact with, yet I still have uh, friends from my first church in America that I still keep in contact with to this day. I wasn't attending church for a spiritual life. That was not the main intention behind the reason that... I don't, maybe my parents went to church because they wanted to worship God, for, for, but for me, it was more for a social life. But as I moved on to my high school years, my parents actually ended up switching over to Pilgrim Church. They ended up joining as members, and I was removed from this, uh, this my group of friends that I grew up with all my life. So, what do I do? I replace the needs that the church was filling, the social aspect of the church with my friends from school. Um, I'm not saying having friends at school is bad, but it just replaced the need for me to go to church. And Elder Sung and Deacon Johnny were actually my Bible study teachers back in my high school years. And Pastor Eugene was my youth pastor back then. I'm sure if you ask them, they will tell you how inattentive and disinterested I was at church. It just wasn't important for me that I attend church at this time of my life because the role the church was filling in my life was being met in different locations. And in looking back, I can confidently say that I didn't know who Jesus was at this point of my life. And because I didn't desire a relationship with Christ, nothing in my life that I did reflected the love of Christ that he has shown me. And just so you guys could get a better picture of what I used to be like back then, I'll tell you a little story of how I... So I was always into instruments. I wanted to buy new guitars, I wanted to buy new guitar pedals, I wanted to buy um, synth synthesizers. But in order to do so, for a high school student, you had to work, you needed money. So I started working at a pretty young age. Um, From the time I I was entering into my sophomore year of high school, I started working at music stores, started working at bakeries, grocery stores, But with each job that I had, I developed a terrible habit, and I am not condoning this in any way. This is something that I did back then. Um, I was a different person back then. Um, So after I got paid and I bought what I needed, immediately my desire to work would just disappear. And I know that there is that thing where you have to give two weeks' notice before you quit your jobs, but I just wanted to quit immediately, so I would tell that my boss is this terrible lie that i broke my leg and it would be so ridiculous that they would actually believe that i broke my leg and in many ways like bartimaeus is found blind and helpless and lost this part of my life i was also in a sense blind i was without purpose verse 47 it writes and when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus hears a large crowd coming his way as he is sitting by the side of the road. He's wondering what's going on, what's happening, what is that noise that is coming my way? Am I in harm in any way? But then he begins to hear the conversations of these people. He hears the word Jesus, Nazareth, and it clicks in his head. Maybe he heard other people's conversations. He overheard people walking down the road talking about this incredible healer that was able to make the lame walk, that even rose the dead from their graves. But most importantly for Bartimaeus, he was able to make the blind see. What's incredible is that Bartimaeus actually exactly knew who Jesus was. He begins to cry out, referring to Jesus by this messianic title, calling him the son of David. By referring to Jesus as the son of David, he was referring to the prophecy in 2 Samuel, where God tells David that from his household, from his bloodline, that God was going to establish a kingdom that was going to be everlasting. It's going to be forever. That's why the gospel writers um, in the books of Matthew and in Luke, they focus so much on showing that Jesus is from the bloodline of David, from his father Joseph, from his mother Mary. And these genealogies trace Jesus back all the way to David because he is this promised Messiah. And he began shouting this as he began shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. This wasn't just an average shout. He was determined to get Jesus' attention. He is screaming at the top of his lungs, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. People are trying to shut him up. They're telling him to be quiet, but he doesn't stop. He is determined to get to Jesus in any way possible. It wasn't until I was... Nineteen years old during my freshman year at Rutgers University that I began to understand this incredible incredible grace of God Upon entering college. I was excited to just party hard get good grades So I could get a good job make a lot of money and be comfortable for the rest of my life But God began to take away a lot of these parts of my life He began to chip away at my heart He began to take away these parts of my life that I confided in, that I found my identity in. And I'm not going to lie, going through this process of um, being redeemed, um, it sucked. Uh, I wanted to have my own way. I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do. And I even started to become bitter towards everything. I was so angry all the time. But it was at the end of this painful shaping process that I went through that I, I realized the terrible, terrible, deprived state that I was living in. In my life, there was no real hope. There was no real vision. Uh, I was just existing. I was just living. I was, uh, but in looking back, I believe that this is the greatest act of grace shown to me in my life that God would allow me to realize that I am unable to do anything or be anything apart from his presence. Upon hearing the cries of Bartimaeus, Jesus stops. Even though he has this large, large crowd following him. And back then, Jesus was a pretty big deal. Like I said before, people were talking about this amazing healer Everyone wanted to just have a minute with him. They wanted to bring their uh, relatives who were sick. They wanted to hear his teachings. They wanted to see him perform miracles. But Jesus stops in the middle of his tracks for this blind beggar. And Jesus asks for Bartimaeus to be brought to him. And immediately the attitude of the people changed. These people who were just silencing him just moments ago. They see that Bartimaeus is someone that Jesus cares for. And these people who are rebuking him, they tell him to take heart, get up, because Jesus is calling you. Jesus goes on to ask what Bartimaeus wants him to do for him. As Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, he abandons his cloak, he jumps to his feet, and then he comes to Jesus. Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? And he could clearly see that Bartimaeus is a beggar. He could clearly see that he is blind. He is unable to see. Before this man who was silenced and ignored his entire life, Jesus takes the time and gives Bartimaeus an opportunity to voice his exact need. Bartimaeus, even though he was screaming and he was trying to get Jesus' attention, he was not able to do anything for himself. It was Jesus that stopped for him. It was Jesus that asked Bartimaeus to be brought to him. It was Jesus that gives him the opportunity to answer when he asks, what would you like me to do for you? And it was Jesus that gets Bartimaeus to a point in verse 51 where it says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. I want to see. In the passage, the last part of our passage today, Mark writes, and Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. As Jesus heals Bartimaeus, he not only receives his physical sight, but he received a spiritual sight. Bartimaeus was blind all of his life. He was sitting on the roadside begging, and now he was able to go see the things that he couldn't see before. He was able to go see his family members, his friends. He was able to go to the temple and be cleansed, be deemed clean by the high priest. To be welcomed back into society. But Bartimaeus chooses to follow Jesus. It says that he recovered his sight and immediately he followed him on the way. And I want to just bring this back. Why is this story so important in the gospels? Why is this story even included? Jesus during his three years of his ministry, he healed a lot of people. And there are portions of the Bible where he said, and then he spent time healing them. Why was it that this story of a healing of a blind man on the outskirts of a city, so significant for the synoptic gospel writers that every single one of them had to include it in their writings? Where was Jesus going? In each of the gospels, this passage falls directly before his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He was headed into the final moments of his life, entering the city of Jerusalem to be beaten, to be mocked, to be arrested, and eventually be crucified. As we heard about Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter these past couple of weeks, we need to understand that Jesus was on his way to the cross. And we also need to understand who it was exactly that Jesus was going to lay down his life for. Jesus came to this earth And he went to the lowest parts of the earth. He went to the lowest of the lows. He went to a blind beggar who wasn't even allowed to enter into the city, who was rejected by men. He was rejected by his own family. He was so helpless that the only thing he could do for himself is cry and beg for someone to have mercy on him. He was hated by all of those around him, and they mocked him, and they silenced him. And as Jesus forgave the sins of Bartimaeus and healed him for his blindness, did he not take Jesus' place and become the hated? He became the silenced. And was it not those exact sins that he took upon the cross with him? Was it not our sins who rejected him, who mocked him, who cursed him, that he took our place on the cross? cross, And did he not pay for those sins? And was it not for us that he laid his life for? And as Jesus was raised from the dead, is it not us who are, one, who are now uh, deemed, who were once deemed so sinful, that we had no place in the kingdom of God? but is it not us that He extends His grace to, that He raised with him? And as Jesus is raised from the dead, we need to understand that this grace that we have been given, this is unwarranted. This is undeserved. There was nothing that we could do except just cry and beg, begging for mercy. In understanding this incredible grace of our Lord Jesus, my life completely transformed. I remember it was my first year coming back home from college it was my first Pilgrim EM Winter Retreat. And during one of the mealtimes, Pastor Kay, who was also one of uh, my other youth pastors back in the day, she pulled me aside and she was shocked. She was so happy for me that I was back at church. And in our conversation, she continued to tell me that it was crazy, that I, it was like I was a different person coming back from college. And I did change in college. When I understood the love of Christ, that I was not deserving, yet he came and my soul was redeemed, learning this excited me, and everything about the church excited me, studying together, serving, the way I treated people changed, and understanding the grace that I was given, that, wasn't, that there wasn't anything that I did to deserve this grace but it was only given through the goodness of God and that it wasn't given only for me, but it was given to anyone who chooses to confess their faith in Christ, to accept him as their Lord and Savior. It was this grace that was given and extended to all of God's people. So worshiping together, growing together, hanging out with one another, eating, studying, just being together with fellow believers all of these things became really important parts of my life. And I, I continue to grow. By the grace of God, I am here before you today sharing this word. And these parts of my life that became so important now excites me. That we get to follow Jesus like Bartimaeus did. Immediately he got up and he followed Jesus on the way. That we get to follow Jesus like this that we get to become more like him. Brothers and sisters, this is the grace that we have received, a grace that forgives, a grace that transforms us in our lives, and this is the grace that allows us to follow Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer.